have your Bibles, you're going to need that here in a moment. But I'm going to share a couple of things on ahead of time with us. You know, I'm talking tonight specifically to all of us about listening to Jesus. I don't think there's been a time in our lives that was more important to be able to hear Jesus personally. From the Bible, absolutely. But we have to be able to hear by the power of the Holy Spirit as well. That's an imperative. And there's a word, and I'll use this again later on, but in Isaiah it says, and you will hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it, when you would turn to the right hand or turn to the left. I've learned to call those course corrections. I've had to have a bunch of those recently. You know, from time to time he'll say to me, now listen, stop looking at humans. Look at me. Come on now, look at me. I say, yes, sir, got that one. There's something about when you look Jesus in the eye and you know his approval, even when you're messed up. That's a, an incredible gift to us and to be able to establish by his grace. So we're going to revisit prayer, but from a listening position in, a, in an area of understanding that he does speak to us and understanding the necessity of that area. You know, we've had a lot of speaking prayer, but listening, mm, not so much. A lot of times we, we talk and then we leave. And we talk again and we leave. And it's kind of like, Lord, don't you hang on a while? Let's, you know, let's have a conversation in these things. So then from listening to acting and obeying what we have heard from the Lord. So we'll be listening to Jesus and things that he's speaking to us from his written word. We're going to look at a lot of scripture tonight. And our foundational scripture is John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. That is such a, a comfort to me, I can't even tell you in that area, and I'll share some illustrations of that in a little bit. Before we go on, I want to define a few things. Hearing is a process of perceiving sounds. Listening, on the other hand, is to pay attention to sound and to give attention, consideration. Then the Greek word that can be translated either hearing or listening is a cool, and it means to yield obedience to the voice in listening. Now, I have been identified as having selective hearing. <laughs> now, I know none of you guys have had that, but I have had that. I have a very great sensitive to hearing mechanical noises and sounds, sometimes voices not so much. You know, I can process about one thing at a time. And so I've had to come to grips with that. But there's a qualifier with that. See, men are on AM, women are on FM. And my pastor friend said to me, it's a miracle that we communicate at all. But see, the issue, the issue is actually poor listening and disobedience is what started in the garden and it's never stopped. And it's continued right to this present day. Now, how often have you said, those that are parents, to your child, listen to me, Listen to me. I have a vivid picture of my daughter having one of her children by the face and said, look at mama. And the child is looking off toward Joneses. <laughs> so this whole area of coming back into that listening mode is something that's in some dimension foreign to us. And we hear through a different grid, through a different paradigm from time to time. And it's predicated on a lot of stuff that's in what I call the swirl right now that's in our nation. COVID has run us in a circle with more things than we have time to talk about. So I'm not headed there. 
but I am going to talk to us about the import of listening and then hearing with obedience in mind. So if you'll go with me back to Numbers, chapter 14, we need to look at this one more time and review a couple of things that Israel did in this rebellious season. And particularly, I'm going to continue on just with a couple of more, how this continued on. But in Numbers 14, Moses is interceding for the people who have been in abject rebellion multiple times. And I think this is one of the things that I've learned in this, this time through uh, numbers more than anything else is the intercessory work of Moses. How he, intercession, see, we have to lay down our own personal interests for the interest of others. And it's cost you your time, energy, and resource to be able to pray and intercede for somebody who's off the track for whatever reason. And I believe that this is a season where we need to help each other and being able to say, listen, I'm not doing real good. Would you all pray for me? And so those are the things that I think the Lord is, is stimulating. So Moses, I'm going to pick up with verse 19 in Numbers 14. <clears throat> Pardon, I pray, the iniquity of his people according to the greatness of your loving kindness. Just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. So obviously there's multiple times. We'll see that in a moment. So the Lord said, I have pardoned them according to your word. But indeed, as I live, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. Surely all the men who have seen my glory and my signs, which I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, yet have put me to the test these ten times, have not listened to my voice. Shall by no means see the land which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who spurn me see it. See, there's a consequence to disobedience. I mean, the Lord is full of mercy and loving kindness, but I'll tell you, repeated area, and I know that personally, the stupidity of disobedience over extended time frame. There's mercy for that, and there's always opportunity to return. But the willfulness of the human heart has prevented us from seeing the blessing that has waited for us to be received. Now I'm going to read this out of Psalm 81. Um, you can either turn there in just a couple of verses, again, to hear the heart cry of the Lord. You know, he's, he says in another place, I have all day long I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and gainsaying people. He's waiting for that. Isaiah 30 is full of that. I wish I had time to go into that. But it's multiple places in that area. Would you come? Would you come now? Why not? So this is what he says in, in Psalm 81, verse 13. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways, or that the Bridge Christian Fellowship people would walk in his ways, or Les Dams would walk in his way. That's the heart cry of the Lord. I would quickly subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their adversaries. This is still a current word for the Jewish people today. That's why we love Israel and the Jewish people. They're largely disobedient to the word of God and the availability is still there. Return to me and rest in me and you'll be saved and trusting confidence shall be your strength. But you said, no, we would not. We're going to go our own way and speak our own words. We're going to flee on horses. We'll get away from this thing. And then the Lord says there in verse 18, this out of Isaiah 30 also, this is not in my notes right now, but this is in my heart. 
It says, therefore the Lord lifts himself up that he may have mercy on you. He comes and said, come child. Now that just continues right on. Now Isaiah 48, 18 says, if only you had paid attention to my commandments, then your well-being or your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. See, listening is an imperative, and it's combined with obedience. Now, the other side of this, in Luke 10, 39, Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and listened. It was a higher priority than meal prep. Now, I know Martha's got a little bad press on that area. They had to eat as also. So we're not in that area, but the listening aspect that she did, she sat at his feet and listened to his words. That was just the simplicity of that and the positioning of it to me is huge. And then on the, um, no, one other thing here. Israel would not listen to the prophets, so God put on flesh and came himself. And he demonstrates that to us again and again. I'm here, I love you. And they're looking Messiah smooth in the face. And they don't recognize him. There was a hardness of heart. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. Sorry, business in a bit. Then on the Mount of Transfiguration, out of the clouds, see Peter and the boys are trying to establish some tents for Jesus and Moses and Elijah. They're going to camp up there. But a cloud came and covered them. And then there was a fear of the Lord that fell in that place big time. And out of the cloud, a voice came saying, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. The heart cry is always the same. Come. Uh, there's real joy in listening to Jesus, and I want us to find the joy of that relational place as we share together. John 15, 11 says, These things I've spoken unto you that, notice that my joy may be in you and that your joy would be made full. In Hebrews 12, 2, it says, For the joy that was set before him endured the cross and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, the joy was, first of all, doing the will of the Father, but it was also to get us and free us up from the bondage of sin and death and set us free. That's the heart cry. See, Rick said this a lot of years ago up in the barn. I'll never forget that. He says, the Father's heart beats with redemption, redemption, redemption. That's his heart cry. He's redeeming us from the power of sin and death by saying, would you just listen to the fact, I love you, come here. <clears throat> and then John uh, 1 verse 16 says, out of his fullness we've all received even grace upon grace. Other translation says grace for grace. So I need grace to move into grace to move into grace. It's again ongoing continuous action of something supernatural. But out of his fullness we have received. The word there is lambano. We use that often. Lambano means to take what is offered. It's a two-part word, but not to refuse or reject. That's the issue from time to time. I like this part, but this part, not so much. So I'll ignore that part, and I'll pick and choose. And I remember one of my mentors said to me, boy, he was in my face with this. He says, Les, you will form your theology on all of Scripture, not on select portions. Because that's what I was doing at that point in time. I said, well, just kind of. It says that, but it doesn't really mean that. Yeah, it does mean that. But I'll tell you what, the flesh wants to gravitate to what feels good rather than what has to poke me where I need to be poked from time to time. Okay. 
John 6, 63, it is the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Boy, we've gloriously proved that. The words that I've spoken to you, their spirit and their life. Well, you might say to me, but Les, I really don't hear God. I don't hear Jesus speak to me. I want to say to you in the kindest possible way, Jesus says, you do hear. My sheep hear my voice. Now, we may have a little issue from time to time how we hear. And I totally relate to that. When I first got saved and filled with the Spirit, a number of my friends were talking to me about having heard the Lord. And I'm thinking, well, I don't get that. How do you do that? I was in my soul, man, trying to figure out something supernatural that would be speaking to my spirit, and I didn't get it, and I couldn't connect the dots. And it was a very frustrating thing to me at the time because I was soul stuck. Now, 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, but the natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness to him. We could say the soul man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. And as we begin to understand, see, your conscience is the voice of your spirit. That's one of the easiest ways we can begin to tell. You know, even as little kids, when we did something that was wrong, you knew it was wrong all the time, did we not? And there's a poignant story of that. The missionary led a bunch of cannibals to the Lord. And he said to them at one point, he said, when you guys were eating one another, did you know that was wrong? They said, we knew it was wrong all the time. There's something in us that gives us understanding of what truth is. And that's one of the big issues that's in our nation right now and in our world. There are no absolutes. There are some absolutely absolutes that are absolute. <laughs> I don't know how I can say that any stronger. Because, you see, when we begin to compromise the word of God to make it fit our theology... And that's one of the things that I was doing at the time when my mentor said that to me. He said, you will form it on all of Scripture. And there's establishing, where does it say it more than one time? See, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be confirmed. And so there's an establishing, and that's what we're talking about, prayer and listening again. It's foundational to life. And if we haven't built a foundation, we're going to look at foundation here in, in a moment. But these are things that are real, that we... We stumble over from time to time and we get tripped up. See, second voice started in the garden, undermining first voice. The enemy says, hath God really said? Sorry, it's old King James. It just comes out of me. But that's really what it is. See, there's a challenging of the word of the Lord. And I have learned from time to time that we have encountering what I call inserted thought patterns. They're not yours. They're certainly not God's. And I guarantee you, if you will buy into those, the enemy will run you down some sorry trail you don't need to go down. But there's an area of being discerning, again, what's truth and what's not. And a lot of times, I'm going to talk about that in a minute, sometimes something just goes sideways in your heart. Something's wrong with that. We may not know what it is. Those are the times to invite the Lord to show you what the truth is. Now, here's some possibilities of difficulty in hearing the Lord. You could be soul stuck like I was. I mean, you're just trying to figure out something that's supernatural with a natural mind and it just won't go there. <clears throat> See, the soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions. We have gone over that countless times. 
But sometimes the soul wants to lead. It just doesn't have the capacity to lead because there's no faith comes in your brains, comes in your spirit, man or woman on the inside of you. And then the heart compromises the soul and the spirit, and it takes both because the spirit wants to follow and obey the Lord. The soul's got a mind of its own, and it needs to be disciplined. It needs to be transformed by the entire renewal of your mind so that you know what the will of God is, even as good and perfect will. So it requires submission. That's the most difficult word that we ever have to encounter. I don't like submit. I like to lead, rule, figure it out on my own. That's what the natural man wants to do. But when we come into that place where we have become submitted to his love and his grace and his mercy. It's not the rules and the law. The law brings death, but the spirit brings life and peace. And that's what the spirit of God is teaching us in this season. Now, these are other things that, that can be a, a hindrance in hearing. You're too busy to listen, too distracted, the inner storm, you know, and, and the enemies always say, well, you don't hear God. What's, what's up with you? No, you can't hear God. So it's undermined the credibility of Jesus said, you do hear. Or we're too anxious, too talkative. Sometimes I'm running my mouth and I need to lay my hand on my mouth and, and listen for a bit. Makes no sense to me. Or too angry. I mean, I, I have to confess to you, there were times I was so frustrated with this, I was angry. I so said, I can't figure this thing out. You know, what's up with that? And so one of the, the keys for me was to dial down, and I've heard him say this to me a number of times, now let's dial down, let me come to you, or let it come to you. Because again, I have to be stilled and quieted. Psalm 46 says, cease striving and know that I am God. The other translation says, be still and know that I am God. I have that written in my margin in my Bible, 3.30 a.m. I'm struggling with some of this. And I wrote this down, cease striving to be still. <laughs> so I can't quiet my mind, see? My brain's running all the time. We're trying to figure out something, come up with some solution in that. And, and the Lord said, just cease striving to be still. Let me come to you. And then he said this, and know that I am your God. I cannot tell you what that did. And it does that when I just even say it now. Your God, it's mine. I take a hold of this. And I heard a man say this shortly after I was saved. He says, sometimes you've got to read the Bible like it's written to you and nobody else. You've got to own this thing. Because otherwise, we read it as a textbook or a history lesson or somewhere else. There's no application. That's just silliness. This thing's got to be real. Or, or, you know, otherwise, there's no practicum to it. It's got to work in the real world. Now... Um, Matthew 11, 28 to 30, we know this word pretty well. Jesus said, come to me. Just come here. Don't we do that with the children when they're all upset? Come here. Come here. And we put a hand on them and we pray for them or encourage them or straighten things out or do whatever we need to do. He says, come to me. And I remember one of my mentors saying this to me as well. If you just come in dragging your sword, he says, just show up. You know, that's a good way to come into the presence of the Lord. And then he says, Take my yoke upon you, learn from me. I cannot import that strong enough to learn from me because I'm gentle and humble of heart and you will find rest for your soul. Rest is waiting for us, but we have to position for it. This is where we humble ourselves and say, 
This is one of my common prayers. Lord, I don't have a clue. Um, I said this to Jake a while back. I said, you know, the stuff that I know about the Lord is like this, and it's just getting smaller all the time. And I think what happens is I'm becoming more dependent all along. And I think that's the goal of the Father heart of God. We're trying to figure this out. See, males do that. We learn stuff, and then we repeat it in the same, same program. And, you know, there's a lot of times when, you know, whatever worked over here in this situation, I'm trying to take that, which was from the Lord, thank you very much, and apply it in this situation. He isn't blessing that. That has been very frustrating to me because I'm trying to learn procedure rather than relationship. Now, have you ever done that? Surely you must have somewhere along the line. But we, we come into that place, oh God, would you help me? I don't know. See, this is why the, Jesus told the boys, except you become like a little child, you can't enter into the kingdom. They're jockeying for position. Which one of them is going to be the greatest in the kingdom? Not a good ride when the boss says, mm-mm, you've got to become like this child. I mean, it's like a seven-year-old child, what the language indicates there. So this is an area. See, children are good receivers. They really are. They, they listen. Now, the fact that they're obstinate from time to time, that's just kind of bred into what we pass down to them. But they do learn and take on what's imparted to them because their little spirits are still open. And that's why it's such an imperative to be able to teach your children not just Bible stories, teach them to know and hear Jesus. Because I guarantee you, they got a, less, a lot less trouble hearing him than what we do. Now then... So we have a gentle invitation to listen to Jesus and hear what he has to say to us. So let's go to John chapter 10 and look at what he has to say. I want to begin at the beginning of the chapter here and we're just going to look down through this and then make some comments and watch him and the intensity with which he teaches and the need for repetition from time to time and I'll point out a couple of things with that. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door, a shepherd of the sheep, to him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name. You know, when you hear the Lord call your name, I mean, he, he calls me less because that's my name. You know, and he says, less. Dial down now, come here. And he invites me into that place of intimacy. And I think if that's one thing I really want us to get a hold of, that this is available to every one of us. If you're a sheep, you hear. We got a, some issues that need to be settled out, no question about it. I certainly do. But these are things that are very precious. Verse 4, when he puts forth his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. And a stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of 
strangers. Verse 6, this figure of speech or this parable or proverb uh, of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were that he had been saying to them. I did a little study on this. Genoski <clears throat> uh, is the word there, and it, it's mostly translated to, to, uh, to know something, but it's a deeper word than that. And I did a little word study on that, and the thing came up on WordPress, a call to intimacy. That's what it is. And to perceive and understand personally, intimately, experientially, to know something. This same word is used in uh, Ephesians 3.19 in the Amplified, really says it well. It says that you may really practically through experience for yourself come to know the love of Christ which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, and that you become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. Our God is experiential, and that's what they were not getting. They didn't have that kind of experience. That's why they didn't understand what he's talking about. And so Jesus, again, comes up in verse 7 and says, And therefore Jesus said to them again, I've got that circled and highlighted in my Bible. Because, you know, we've, we've talked about this often. A good teacher is a repeater. He just says it one more time. Again and again and again. Because we haven't got it yet. And well, we've done that with our children from time to time. Didn't you hear me? And we, you know, we run it by them one more time. And there's sometimes there's consequences that go through that also. But the area of him taking the time to make it clear... He says, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. So he brings more clarity that he's the one he's been talking about in the part they didn't get. <clears throat> All who came uh, before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Remember they said about Jesus, he doesn't teach like the scribes, you know, the religious people in that area. He teaches that one has authority because he was speaking love and grace and mercy into their lives. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, destroy. That's second voice. That's where this thing comes. He's the thief. Started in the garden, carries right on to this time. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 14 says it again. See, this is the repetitive area. I am the good shepherd. I want you to know this. Listen to me. I know my own and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. That's us. That's Gentile folks. He's speaking to Jewish people at that point. That's how we get on the deal as well. I must bring them also, and they shall hear my voice, and they shall become one flock with one shepherd. Now, verse 24, or 27, one more time here. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Next week, we're going to talk about following. There's a, a whole area. It's one thing to hear. 
as another thing to discern, and then following is another part of that altogether. But see, that's going, following ends up actually going in the same direction for a long period of time. That's one of the reasons why we need each other, to encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And so to be able to stimulate uh, one another to love and good deeds. So these are uh, a beginning point. Now turn with me to Luke chapter 6. And we're listening to Jesus again in, encourage the boys and those that were listening at that point in time to pay attention to what they're hearing. And he gets pretty specific with this thing. You know, we do that with our children. You know, we're, we're gentle and, and et cetera. And then sometimes we need to say it a little stronger because you're not listening. Look at me. Verse 46, <clears throat> Luke 6. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I'll show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation. See, this again, I'm using the foundation from time to time because it's, that's the principle that we're doing. It's Luke 6, Deb, verse 46. Sorry, she was just... Need a little help. Sorry. Love you, Deb. Here's my word and acts on the, in digging a foundation upon the rock. Obviously, the rock is Christ. He's our foundation. The, the living word, the person of Jesus, and the spoken word. And a flood, when a flood rose and a torrent burst against that house and could not shake it because it was well built. There's a stability. See, we use that word in Isaiah 33, 6 often. He will be, Yahweh, Jesus, will be stability in your times, a wealth of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. Here's the thing. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. That's the treasure that he's given to us. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It's also the beginning of wisdom. And so there, there is so much of a lack of that. And I'm sorry to say, people, it's a lot in the church as well is because we've compromised the word of God and the truth and the absolutes of the word of God for what makes us feel good. Feel good stuff generally isn't Jesus. Now, he's full of grace and mercy, but man, is he straightforward. That's why he says, you know, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and then don't do what I say? This is trouble city. Verse 49 and the one who has heard and not acted accordingly is like a man who built a house upon the ground without any foundation. And the torrent burst against it and immediately it collapsed and the ruin of the house was great. That kind of storm run you down the river. You know, everything is just gone because there's no foundation, there's no strength. And that's why a lot of people that have once been church attenders and and proclaiming to be Christians get into serious trouble because there's no foundation. And I have a little phrase that I use. I understand what you think or feel, but what does the word say? The, the word of God is what holds us steady. And that's the thing that jerks me back into line from time to time because then the spirit of God will come and quote scriptures to me that I've given to someone else. And this has happened, I don't know, none of you have had this happen, but my wife does that from time to time. She says, when you're grumbling now, if somebody brought you that, what would you say to them? 
I don't want to hear that right now because I'm, I'm enjoying my grumbling. <laughs> but when I stop grumbling, he generally would come and quote some word to me that is not condemning. It's, it's not pointing the finger at me. He says, now, Les, that's in your heart. Let me have that, and I'll give you my grace. And I remember the first time I said, well, I think I need the grace first. He says, no, no, no. He said, you got to give that up. That's idolatrous. That's where your focus is right now. And it's taking you away and it's stolen your blessing. Give it up. Give it to me. Give it now. And then sometimes, well, I give him part of it. And I told him, well, I'm working on it. And then they say, well, how's that working for you? Are you done yet? You want to talk about it. Now, I've said these things before, but sometimes we need, I need to hear that again. Because the soul man tries to figure out things that are supernatural. And I need to surrender and submit to him. Because he's also said, sometimes when you submit to me, he said, you're still working on it. But boy, when you surrender to me, you've taken your hands off. And here's the word, you let me do for you that which you could never do for yourself. This is where faith comes, and he does something on the inside, and he changes my want to, because otherwise I've got myself by the ear, making myself do something I authentically don't want to do. And I said, but I do want to. He said, no, you don't. He says, watch where your feet go. Oh, it's not a good scene when he confronts that. But it's so comforting because he doesn't let us get away with stuff. He makes us address it and walk in the light. Then we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. Because I got a sin factor. Sin is encroachment. It's subtle. That's why second voice, once you start buying into second voice, we're headed off in a direction that the enemy loves. So out of rebellion to the devil, quit doing that. Just simply talk to Jesus. Really works well. Okay. So listening and acting on Jesus' words builds a foundation for life. Hearing with no action produces ruin. 1 Corinthians 3.11 says, No man can lay a foundation other than that which is already laid in Christ Jesus. So I'm going to tell you a little story. uses an illustration comes out of a movie. I've never done that before. The movie was National Treasure, and we got a bunch of FBI people discussing about the fact somebody stole the Declaration of Independence. And the first agent says, well, we got a tip that someone might steal the Declaration. And the agent in charge says, what's the name of the tipster? And the first agent said, well, what did I write on here? <laughs> there was no file opened. We didn't find the information creditable. And the agent in charge says, how about now? <laughs> now, how often have we, in some point in time, after the fact, figured out, hmm, something was wrong. That didn't feel good. That didn't sound right. Something was wrong. I didn't take any action. I should have, but I didn't take any action in that, in that dimension. Should have followed my impression. Something's wrong with this. Now it's too late. 
We discount the impression to action with a logic of the soul. This is where the voice behind us is, is telling us what to do. Don and I were discussing that, and we were reminded there was a number of years ago, we were going on a business trip to, to Oregon, <clears throat> and we came up to Highway 20, and Donna heard herself saying, go to the ferry, don't go through Mount Vernon. Well, as it turned out, there was a torrential storm over there that were accidents, people off the road and everything else, which we missed. Along with that, when we were south of Olympia, there was hailstones there that we, if we had been there earlier, I mean, cars that were like ball bearings and people were just running off the road. We missed every bit of that. But it's something that came up out of her spirit. She didn't intellectually think of that, her spirit, and heard a directive thing, do not go through Mount Vernon. Go on the other way. See, faith does not make sense to the logical mind. The fear of failure will shut down faith, and when under pressure, you've been trained in the most. That's why it's so incredibly important when you have something quickened to you, give Jesus credit for it. It's not your light and fast mind that's so quick. <laughs> Say, thank you, Lord. Begin to practice that. Have dialogue. Give him the credit for it. Blame him for it, whatever else. Because he is trying to speak to us to get our attention. If you begin to practice it in the small stuff, when the disasters come along, you're already prepared for that. One other illustration, um, when my daughter was young, she was riding her horse with my, my boss and his wife. And I got a call, I was working over at a friend's house and uh, his mom said, they need you over right away. She says, Barb's got thrown off her horse and they don't know what to do. And so I'm praying in the spirit as I drove over there <clears throat> and I looked at her, she's laying on the ground, there's no broken bones and there's nothing that was visible at that point in time. And I heard the Lord say, get her checked out. I mean, it was really clear. We took her to ER. It turns out she had a ruptured spleen. She was bleeding internally. Another 15 minutes, we'd have lost her. Not only lost her, but also lost all the posterity. And Rick pointed out, he said, wouldn't have had a barn to bring church in to start with either. But there was a, an incredible moment of having heard the Lord and obeyed his direction because there was nothing visible. My natural man is thinking, well, it's okay. And then my spirit is like, get her checked out and do it now. So these are the kinds of things that bring credibility to being able to, to hear the Lord. <clears throat> In my opinion, the most important thing that you can learn after you've been saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, is how you personally hear Jesus. I think I said that before, but I think it bears repeating. You've got to be able to hear his voice and be able to act on these things because these are incredibly important. Now, Hebrews 13, 8, we probably know that one pretty well. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, the word same there, Thayer says it's immutable. What does that mean? Unchanging over time, unable to be changed. He is the same. And I think that's the area. He says, my sheep hear my voice. We need to be learning, become proficient at the area of its today. The, the word today there is a current word. It's now. 
And that's the part, see, we think Jesus spoke over here at one point in time. We've got the whole Bible in that area, and we know he's going to speak later on. Well, how about now? How about receiving the fact that he does want to speak to us, and we're just the ones having a little bit of problem hearing, and a little bit of problem beyond that obeying what we hear, acting on it. Action is required. It really is. So now go with me to Hebrews chapter 3. A number of months ago, and some of you know this, I was stuck in Hebrews 3 and 4 for a repeated time frame. I would read down through those two chapters and ready to go on to the next chapter, and the Lord said, read it again. But I just read it. But read it again. I mean, this went on for weeks. And then after this time frame, I'm studying through this thing again, and I began to see the word I was missing. Because I was looking at the phrase, hear, hear his voice, don't harden your heart. That's kind of where my focus on. I missed the today. Because it's a current functionality of the word of God and the voice of God that he wanted to get over to me. Now in chapter 3 here, the Hebrew pastor, I love that term, uh, stole that from Crawford. And... <clears throat> make no apology for it. But he's giving us an understanding of the superiority of Jesus over Moses. He's writing to the Hebrew folk in that area. You recognize Moses was their guy. He's, he's, he's a top drawer guy. You know, the Pharisees said that, you know, we're disciples of Moses. We don't know about this, who you are, where you came from, or any of that area. So he's laying these things out. Verse 1 of chapter 3. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. And he was faithful to him who appointed him as Moses was in all his house. Now verse 6. But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are. We're fitted into the house of God. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation altogether. Old things have passed away. Behold the fresh and new. Some old belief systems that need to pass away. They need to be buried like forever so that we get the fresh and new and enter into this. Whose house we are. See, Colossians says that your real life is hid with Christ in God. We belong. See, we're, we're built up in that. Jake was bringing that out in staff meeting today and that how we're all fitted together. I mean, that's another whole teaching all by itself, but we need each other. Matter of fact, we're really learning this fresh and new on our staff. We can't do our job without the other. Now, we're an independent lot up here, sorry, in the Northwest. I can do it on myself, thank you very much. I don't need your help. I've got this covered. Crash. Truth be known, and Jake was using some physical things with cuticles and fingernails and etc. how this is all attached together. It's all attached to the arm. But see, the hand cannot say to the foot, I have no need of you. That's just stupidity. But we've acted that way. We haven't listened to each other. See, this is totally aside. Sorry. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> One gift triggers another when we talk about spiritual gifts. See, I won't have anything and I'll hear Jim Hutch say something, and all of a sudden I have something I didn't have 10 minutes ago. Now, that's not Jim's fault. He's not that good, but the Spirit of God quickened something to my heart. Because Jim, what he is good at, he brought what he had. 
Remember Rick said that a while back? He said, do what you can. So when we begin to move in the things of the Spirit, things move together. We make harmony. We make a symphony together. That's how it's supposed to work. The church house hadn't figured that out. There's more of that in the marketplace from time to time than there is in the church house. So we need to come to an understanding we are desperate in need of each other and the anointing that we carry. That's the thing that the enemy is at more than any other one thing. We're no threat to the devil at all, but the anointing we carry is. And so if the enemy can get you either discard, misuse, or ignore the anointing that God's given and the gift he's given to you, when we sit in straight rows and look at the back of one another's heads, that's not function, people. Sorry, it just isn't. So we need to come into that place. What's God called you to do? What he's he anointed you to do? You have an anointing from the Holy One and that you know. But if we've quenched that, we've not acted on that anointing. See, that requires faith. This whole deal, that's why this is faith 323. Because faith is required. Now, faith is the substance or the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's the not seen part that makes us nuts from time to time. Can't figure this out. Must not have any gift wrong if you know Jesus you have been gifted by the power of the Holy Spirit of the living God and you got a whole book of instruction so my question is what are you doing with that you know see we have to help each other as well I'm off on a tangent here but this is so important to me Romans 1 verse 12 says in the Amplified, it says, being mutually encouraged by one another's faith. And I have literally experienced that a lot of times in my life. I have prayed everything I know about a situation. And pretty soon, my prayers are dribbling off my chin and running on the floor. There's no power in them at all. And I'll hear someone else pray about my situation. And I guarantee you, faith comes again. Because something prophetic has quickened my heart. And there's a stimulus of the Spirit of God. That's why he says, stimulate to love and good deeds and all the more as you see the day approaching. Because sometimes I just need somebody to help me get my focus back, to be centered again on the king. I guess we are still here, aren't we? Okay. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to start over with verse 6. But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are. If we hold fast our confession and the boast of our hope firm until the end. Verse 7. Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoke me, as in the day of trial in the wilderness, which we just read in Numbers 14. There was a provoking and an understanding there. Verse 12, <clears throat> take care, brethren, lest there might be in any one of, should be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart and falling away from the living God. But encourage one another. Is it again? Day after day, as long as it's still called today, while there's still opportunity. Lest any one of you should be hardened in the deceitfulness of sin. Now, the hardened of heart means to become obstinate and stubborn. Oh, that's not a good scene. But I'll tell you what, the human heart has the ability to close off and harden in resistance to that which requires change. We don't like change. I don't like change particularly. I'm kind of a rut guy. 
just kind of keep going in, in this area. And the Lord didn't like that. And so my wife reminds me of that from time to time, that I need to be subject to change and look at it differently. Okay, here we go. Thanks, babe. Love you. Now, for we have become partakers of Christ. Now, I want to stop just for a minute because that word partakers is a huge word to me. Peter says it's uh, all through the exceedingly great and precious promise that we become partakers of divine nature. Partakers come apart at a time, but you've got to take your part. And that's, that's a word that's, that's very strong to me. If we hold fast the beginning of our assurance, that's our faith. Now, faith is the assurance or the substance of things hoped for. That's uh, Hebrews 11.1, 1, firm until the end. While it is said, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Then over in chapter 4, verse 7, it says the same thing. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. You know, when God says something once, you need to pay attention. Man, if he says it twice, that's the verily, verily, truly, truly, I say to you. He says it three times. Hello. He's really serious about the today factor. And so I'm just asking you, would you search your hearts with this thing? Is there areas that the God has spoken to you that you've resisted in? Or your heart is hardened off? Or you've ignored him? You know, there's times he wants to talk to me about something, and I want to talk about this over here. And he says, no, no, we need to go over here. Come on now. You can do this. And he always says, I'll go with you. I won't do it for you, but I'll go with you. My presence will go with you, and I'll give you rest. If peace is missing, there's probably something that we've missed along the way. And I've heard him, and I use this in, in ministry a lot of times, actually, when people are having difficulty hearing the Lord. And I, the first time I remember, there was a lady that moved a lot in the prophetic. And she came to Donna and I, and she said, you know, I don't know what's going on. I can't hear God. Something, something's off in that area. And I was praying and listening and just being still for a while. And the Lord said, ask her what's the last thing I said to her. I asked her that question. She just broke and wept. Never did say what the issue was. But she knew that she had not done what he had asked her to do. And I think there's a lot of times when we're stuck in some of these places, we've already heard, but we've ignored what he has said to us at that point in time. The other areas, have you done it and have you done it completely? Partial obedience is not obedience. And I think that's another thing that he's calling us into is being obedient to him. Now, in Romans 15, 4, you can just listen to this for a moment. Whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope and not do the same dumb things they did. Now, this has been a cyclical thing. We pointed that out with Israel. They started out in a disobedient area until they all ended up into captivity and the nation was destroyed. Now, God's brought them all back in the, in the land or a bunch of them anyhow, and these promises still remain. That's why we continue to intercede for Israel. See? But we also intercede for ourselves and we need to intercede for the church because we haven't obeyed what we need to do. Okay, now let's go to Luke chapter 11.
The boys came to Jesus after he was praying and they said, would you teach us to pray? It's significant to me they didn't say, teach us to preach. They said, no, teach us to pray. So Jesus gives them another form of what has been called the Lord's Prayer. As It's a little different than the one that's in Matthew 6. <coughs> I call it the Disciples' Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is John 17, what Jesus prays for us. It's an amazing work. But anyhow, after he gives them, he keeps right on teaching about prayer. And this is not a parable. This is instruction. Verse 5 of Luke 11. And he said to them, Suppose one of you shall have a friend, and shall go to him at midnight, and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me from a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. That was crisis time in that culture. Man, food was everything. And being able to serve and, and minister to people that come from journey... That was a big deal. And notice he's asking for something to give. I have written in the margin otherly. Otherly is an old Quaker word that just, I remember the first time I heard it, just, ooh, that feels good. So it's others focused, not having just everything focused on ourselves. So this is what this guy's looking for. And from inside, he shall answer and say, hey, don't bother me. Get out of here. doesn't say that, but it says that. The Lord has already, or the door has already been shut and my children and I are in bed and I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. The language there is bold, unashamed persistence. He's just, he's not going to quit. And the guy said, I'm not getting any sleep, you know, so he just gets up and gives him what he needs. So Jesus gets the boys on track with this because it's cultural to start with, and they relate to that. And so having the word of God become relational in our lives in practical dimension, otherwise we have a bunch of history lessons we nod mental assent to, but nothing ever changes in the way we function. Function is huge with Jesus. Then he says this, he continues on teaching, and I say to you, ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. There's a continuance there in the language. It's ongoing, continuous action. So it's ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking, and it's going to be open to you. There's a persistence in this. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it shall be opened. Now suppose one of you, see, bringing this right back into their world again. One of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Well, I would hope not. Or if he asks for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? There's an asking and receiving of the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and it's not a one-time event. There is a one-time event somewhere where you begin, again, in our light and fast mind to figure we might need some help. Jesus said, I got a helper for you. How much help would you like? When the helper, the Holy Spirit, comes, whom the Father will send in my name, 
He will teach you about all things, how to hear, how to ask, how to receive, how to position in these things. When it says teach you about all things, man, Jake did a word study on that a long time ago, and it all means all. It just does. And so have I. And he will bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And I have used this scripture, I cannot tell you, it's just countless times. So I know this is in the worship. Where is that? Now, sometimes he gives me chapter and verse. And other times he says, go look it up. And you know what generally happens to me? I find something on the way to looking it up that totally distracts me that he's after. Or it'll be on the page next to what I'm looking for. Or I've written something in the margin that I need to be reminded of. The workings of the Holy Spirit are beyond description. It is the most underused dimension of the church of Jesus Christ, sad to say. Because there's been all kinds of teaching again. Has there been misuse of the things of the Spirit? I hope to shout. But truth is truth. He's the Spirit of truth. And it's an imperative for us to invite that and begin to understand. So I would suggest to you somewhere along the line, spend time in John 14, 15, 16, and then 17. Jesus is explaining the power of the Spirit to the boys before he goes to the cross and lays these things out and makes them available to us. Now, the Holy Spirit will teach you how to hear and act on the words of Jesus like no human can. There's been an awful lot of teaching of procedure. Now, I'm not, again, procedure altogether, but I'll tell you what. When uh, teaching of procedure overrides relationship with the living God and personally hearing him, I am against that. Because you have got to be able to hear. And that's the heart cry. Oh, that my people would listen to me. That heart cry remains. I remember the first time I found that verse. thought, oh, what? That hurt my heart when I, when I heard the Lord crying out for us to listen to him and to pay attention. Um, Jesus says there in, in John 16 that um, he says, I have many more things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. When the helper, the Holy Spirit comes, he will disclose them to you. He'll take those things of mine and reveal them to you. So there's a wealth there to be laid hold of that he is so interested in giving to us. Promises are, are, are huge to me. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2, chapter 1, it says, all the promises of God are yes, and they find their amen in Christ Jesus. And he talks about the sealing of the Holy Spirit. He's the one. It's the only way you can get this. You can't get lots. You can get information, lots of information, but revelation comes by the power of the Spirit of God. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1, she's, Paul says, I pray that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him by having the eyes of your understanding open and your heart flooded with light into the deep and the intimate knowledge of God. There's a boundless supply of that. Because a natural man does not comprehend the things of the Spirit of God. I have one story I want to <clears throat> close with this. This happened to me a lot of years ago. I was at a men's conference. 
And most of these conferences have two or three guys, and then you've got the main guy that, you know, speaks. Girls do the same thing, I suppose. But this was one of the, the forerunners, so to speak. And the man's name was Steve Lytle. He used to own Dippy Duck Car Wash in Lake City. And it, it, that was a season when the Iron Curtain was still intact, and the boys were smuggling Bibles into countries where they had no Bibles. It's Bulgaria. It's February, 3 o'clock in the morning. It's cold. And the Lord wakes up Steve and says, Steve, I want you to get out of bed and get down on the floor. I have some things to say to you. And Steve says, Lord, it's cold. That floor is hard. I can hear you really good right here in the bed. And the Lord said, Steve, I want you to get out of bed, get down on the floor, I have some things to say to you. And this dialogue went on for an extended time frame, and Steve says, fine. Whips off the covers, gets down on the floor, and, okay, Lord, what you got? He said, Steve, you can go back to bed now. <laughs> and Steve says, like, what is up with that? You hassle me to do this, and then you tell me I go back to bed. You've got to be kidding. This is what the Lord says. He said, Steve, I just wanted to see if you would obey me. Because not many days from now, your very life will depend on whether you will obey me. I'm telling you, I can't tell you the emotion that goes through. I've told that story countless times, but it impacts me today like it did then. Because I believe, people, we're on a season that our very life will depend on when we hear and obey the Lord. And it is probably won't come out of your Bible. It may, but you best be able to discern what's him and what's not. I remember Donna said one time, she says, I want to be to the point where he says, duck, I want to duck. What was that, you know? And these things are real. And the word of God is real. His voice is real. And it's today. Today is every current day that he's made himself available to us. And the heart cry of the Lord, oh, that my people would listen to me. Let's pray. Father, I give thanks that you have graciously been patient with us while we've been fumbling our way along from time to time. And we've thought we've known better. We've gone our own way and spoken our own words, Lord. And we have repent and we apologize for that. And I ask that you would give us, again, a season of hope. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when desire comes, it's a tree of life. And hope does not disappoint, for the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. And Father, just as a representative of this fellowship, I'm just asking, would you pour out your spirit on us? Would you pour out your spirit on who may, people may listen to this at a later time? But that your grace and mercy and the anointing that you have waiting to pour out on us. Just reminded that word again that we used a minute ago. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Love that phrase, how much more? Will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? He said, those that ask, receive. So would you enliven our receivers to take hold of what is offered? 
And also, Lord, even as we were talking about Moses at the beginning, interceding for people, to intercede for family members and friends and people in the marketplace or whatever else that have never received the Lordship of Jesus Christ. But on the other side of that, Lord, we can't give away what we don't have. We first have to be a receiver. And laying hold, Paul says, I make it my goal to lay hold of that for which I've been laid hold of by Christ Jesus. So Spirit of God, come and teach us now how to receive. We're going to sing here in a moment, but I want to say this to you. We always give an opportunity. If you, if you don't know Jesus, you never made him Lord of your life, well, we're here in a heartbeat to pray with you and assist you in that area. Or if you're having trouble hearing and you want to be prayed for for that, we're available. But I'm also asking, would you present yourself before the Lord? And would you ask him to fill you with his spirit? Would you give, ask him to give you the ability to hear his voice? Your word promises that, Lord, I'm taking hold of that promise that you have spoken, that you've speak, you speak to me from your written word and you speak to me by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want that. That's your promise. And so we just welcome you, Spirit of God, now as we worship. Present yourself. Have some dialogue with the Lord. And invite him to speak to your heart. In Jesus' name.